so there is going to be a day when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess every angel in heaven every man woman and child on earth every demon spirit and satan himself in a devil's hell is going to have to say he is lord Welcome to Life Talk with Dr. Jeff Wickwire, author and founding senior pastor of the exciting Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas. Pastor Jeff is known for his heartfelt and practical proclamation of the scriptures. We are so glad you joined us today. So stay tuned as Pastor Jeff teaches, encourages, and challenges you from the Word of God. Hi everyone, this is Jeff Wickwire and welcome to Life Talk. You know, one thing most Christians are never taught when they begin the race of faith is the need to endure. Let's face it, Christianity is not always an easy road. It requires decisiveness, inner toughness, and perseverance. So join me today as we continue our series called The Race and we look at the Bible's admonitions to run with endurance. Let's get right to the message. Now, we saw last time that there are two things that can hinder our race or take us out of the race altogether. And let me just give you a picture. Picture somebody running down a racetrack. We've all seen it. There's somebody running down a racetrack. Two people. The first one has on their ankles these ankle weights that some people put on that want to drop some weight as they walk. So they put these ankle weights on so they have to lift more and do more uh, exertion so they will drop some weight in their walk. But you certainly wouldn't put those on in a race you were running to win. That's a picture of let us lay aside every weight. A weight can be legitimate. A weight can be a good thing. A weight is not necessarily a bad thing. But it is something that is hindering you, slowing you down, acting as a drag on your race. The Bible is clear that we're not in a 50-yard dash. But we're in a marathon. It's lifelong. The minute that Jesus came into our hearts, God stuck every person in this room who's a Christian onto a racetrack. Paul didn't say, you're in a casual, leisurely stroll through the park. He said, it's a race. It's a race that you've got to run to win. And he said, you ought to have a mindset that I'm going to win this thing. As I started strong, I'm going to end strong. I'm in a race. I'm not going to peter out halfway through. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to faint. I'm not going to walk away. But I'm going to maintain a pace, the pace of the race. And I'm going to reach the end. And I'm going to win. And I'm going to hear the words, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I'm going to make you ruler over much. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Which every good runner is going to hear. So it's a race. So he said there can be weights on you that slow you down and act as a drag on your spirit. And then there's sin that entangles you. So picture that one guy, he's running with those weights on his ankles, and when the race is almost done, you see him way back in the back, and he's not even remotely about to win. You know why? Because weights held him back. But then there's sin. Picture the second guy, he's running well. He is cooking down that track. He's really doing good. And all of a sudden, something happens, and he trips and stumbles and falls and weeps and cries because he knows he has lost so much time. That's sin. 
Sin makes you trip and fall. Weights slow you down. Weights take away from your maximum effort. Sin entangles you. It's like ropes being wrapped around your legs and you can't run. Or like running into a pothole in that track. You hit it and you fall. That's sin. He said, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily entangles us. The besetting sin. Then he said, now, once that's done, he said, run. Run that race. But run it with endurance. So there is a disposition to the race. And the disposition is endurance. We're to endure. Now, you know that I like to cycle. I cycle all the time. And sometimes I'll go a little quick, little five, ten mile ride. And other times I'll go out to go 30 and 40 mile ride. And when I'm going to do eight, 10 mile ride, I can punch it. I can give it everything I've got because I know I'm not going to have to conserve energy. But when I know I'm going on that long marathon, I pace myself and I know that endurance is going to become involved because my legs are going to start aching. My lungs are going to start burning. I'm going to start feeling tired and I'm going to have to lean forward to stop any wind resistance and lean into that wind and just push with all that I've got. And I'm never so glad when I see my car in the distance and I'm almost there. So that's endurance. When you're in a marathon, you're going to need endurance. You're going to have to have that second wind. You're going to have to have that second effort. You're going to have to give it everything that you've got. There's other words for endurance like perseverance or tenacity or persistence. Every Christian needs to understand that we're in a race where sometimes you've got to strain. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. It is not a walk in the park. The Christian life is not a walk in the park. Yes, you have the peace of God. Yes, you have the joy of the Lord. Yes, you're saved. Yes, you're delivered. But there is a strain to it because each and every day we battle the world, the flesh, and the devil. And every day we've got to get up and involve ourselves in that race. Get into the word of God. Go into prayer. Stay faithful to fellowship. Do the will of God. Do what God has called you to do. Deny the world. Deny yourself. Deny the flesh. Resist the devil. Every day, it's a race that requires an effort. It's an effort. We mix our faith with the grace of God. We engage in what God has called us into. We are not bench warmers watching everybody else play the game. We're on the field. We're on the track. Christianity is not a spectator sport. It's a race. And everybody in here who has said, Jesus, come into my heart, you're running that race every day. We hear all the time, keep on keeping on. We heard that. Keep on keeping on. How are you doing? Oh, I'm just keeping on keeping on. But you know the Bible word for endurance is so much more than just stubbornly pushing yourself forward no matter what, just sort of stubbornly surging forward, moving forward no matter what. The Bible word for endurance is so much more than that. As a matter of fact, the Bible word for endurance, when it says run the race with endurance, let me give you three things, and I want you to repeat them with me. Bible endurance has a cheerful disposition a fixed focus, and a determined purpose. A cheerful disposition, a fixed focus, and a determined purpose. Those three things make up Bible endurance. The, the very word itself means to bear up under a load with joy. Bear up under a load with joy. 
So let me talk about these three things because I think it's going to help you in your race. So let's talk about cheerful disposition. First of all, you do know that our forerunner and the one we really look to and the one that blazed the trail for us is none other than our Lord Jesus Christ. He ran the race, and he ran it well, and he ran it perfectly. He never tripped, and he was never hindered or slowed down. So Jesus ran the race perfectly. He's our forerunner. Now listen to what the Bible says about him. For the joy set before him, capital H, Jesus, for the joy set before him, he endured Catch that word? There it is. He endured. What did he endure? The cross. For the joy that was set before him, Jesus endured the cross. And the cross was more, folks, than just stretching out your hands and feet and being nailed to a cross, although that was horrific. But for Jesus, the cross was listening to the slings and arrows and wicked and mean and cruel words of men. It was being persecuted. It was being lied about. It was being stalked by the Pharisees and the Sadducees. It was being threatened, having life threats on you, threats of your life all the time. The cross was Jesus walking in his ministry, fighting the devil, resisting him, picking 12 men out of the world who knew nothing and training them day in and day out, many times with frustration, many times with hardly any response and very slow learners. For Jesus, the cross was also comprised of Gethsemane, where he went in there in the garden, took Peter, James, and John with him, and they went to sleep on him. And there in the garden, he sweated, as it were, great drops of blood. And he said, oh, my God, my Father, if it is possible, remove this from me. That was part of the cross, part and parcel of the cross that Jesus carried. He bore that cross. He bore it in Gethsemane. He bore it on Golgotha as he was whipped up that hill, naked and bleeding in front of the eyes of men and women and children. When he was then crucified to that tree, the cross comprised so much more than what we tend to think of. His whole life was a sacrifice. His whole life was a dedication. His whole life was committed. That was Jesus. And do you know that when he was 12 years old, he knew who he was. You talk about precocious. You talk about genius. You talk about somebody with a mind you can't wrap your own mind around? Jesus? At 12 years old, he's sitting in the temple asking doctors questions that blew their mind. They were amazed. They were stunned. They were stupefied at the wisdom that came out of this seeming kid. He knew who he was when he was 12. His parents find him after three days, frantic, thought he was lost. And he said, don't you know that I was about my father's business? We'd like to hear that from a 30-year-old. He knew about all the predictions of the prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel. He knew about the predictions in the Psalms. He'd read them. He was the one that inspired the writers to write them. David wrote in Psalms 22, Jesus knew this one inside out. My life is poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax melting within me. My strength is dried up like some baked clay. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. I'm so thirsty and my tongue is swollen. 
You have laid me in the dust and left me for dead. My enemies surround me like a pack of wild dogs. An evil gang closes in on me. They have pierced my hands and feet. That was written a thousand years before the cross was invented. Inspired of God. I can count all my bones. I can count them all because they're all sticking out. My enemies stare at me and gloat. They divide my garments among themselves and they throw dice for my clothing. I'm nothing to them. I'm naked, bleeding. They took my one-piece garment and they're throwing dice for it. That's what I mean to them. And yet, listen to me now, though all of these things Jesus knew, I want to tell you, Jesus' life was characterized by joy. Everybody say the word joy with me. You say, wow, Pastor Jeff, that was pretty heavy stuff to lead into talking about joy. Yeah, but I'm telling you, Jesus had a cheerful disposition. See, the first thing that endurance means is a cheerful disposition. Jesus had joy. Do you know that Jesus was always saying to his disciples, hey, be of good cheer. What's the matter with you? Do you know that God did not come to put a frown on your face? He did not come to make you look like the worst thing that ever happened to you was you got saved. He came to give a skip in your step, a smile on your face, and a gleam in your eye. He came to lift you out of depression and out of the mully grubs and give you a reason to live. That one of the earmarks of somebody that's really close to God is joy. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. He gives joy unspeakable and full of glory. That one of the earmarks of somebody that really knows God is joy. It's joy. Can you imagine Jesus having to tell the disciples, Hey, cheer up. What's the matter with you? I'm the one going to the cross. In John 15, he told his disciples, I've told you these things. Everything that I've taught you, that's what he's saying. Everything that I've taught you, I have given you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. And your joy will overflow. Do you know how Jesus pictured his disciples, you and me, those of us who say we know him? He envisioned us, pictured us, desired for us, and predicted that we would have joy that was overflowing. Now, some of you, if you even smiled, your face would not know what to do. If you smiled, people around you would go into shock. Because to you, to be really committed to God is to be somber and sober and sullen. And you say to somebody, hey, why are you so, why are you so serious? Because Jesus is coming again. Well, that ought to put a smile on your face. The trumpet's about to blow. As Andre Crouch, who just went to be with the Lord just a couple of weeks ago, he's seen the Lord now. He used to sing, soon and very soon, we're going to see the King. Soon and very soon, we're going to see the King. Soon and very soon, we're going to see the King. Hallelujah. Look at all the people he reached. You knew the song. Joy is one of the clear earmarks of somebody who's close to the Lord. He puts a smile on your face, the joy of the Lord. You don't have to smoke something to get it. You don't have to shoot something to get it. You don't have to drink something to get it. You don't have to snort something to get it. And I'm talking to Colorado here. You don't have to numb yourself out. You don't have to stupefy your brain. You don't have to commit intellectual suicide. You don't have to take anything from the outside in to get joy. Listen, joy is an inside job. And it comes from knowing the Lord. We need to change our whole view of Christianity. Christianity is a joyful faith. 
It's not a religion, it's a relationship. And the more you walk in that relationship, the more joy that you've got. You say, well, Pastor Jeff, are you always that way? No, 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 no. But you know what? I work on it, and I'm sure more that way than I used to be. Because the joy of the Lord is my strength. Thank God for the joy of the Lord. See, some of you are going off to a restaurant when this is over today. And if you're real serious and sullen and depressed, don't tell them you were here. If you got some joy, then I want you to go out there and say that they say, why are you so happy? Hey, we just worship the Lord. The joy of the Lord is my strength. I've got the joy of Jesus, and I was just at turning point. Because the greatest billboard for God is a smiling Christian. Not a fake Christian, not a phony Christian, but one that really has the joy of the Lord. One of my favorite posters I ever saw of Jesus, it was a poster that showed him walking down a road and on one arm was Peter, on the other arm was John, and Jesus' head was thrown back and he had this great big, like he was laughing hard. And I said, how often do we think of Jesus that way? I'm going to tell you, Jesus enjoyed life. He enjoyed his creation. He had joy. And part of his endurance was he kept that joy and walked in good cheer. Some of you need to develop a sense of humor in your home. Some of you, your animals wouldn't know what to do if you laughed out loud. Your kids would say, what's wrong with mom and dad? I mean, you need to tell some jokes, good jokes, clean jokes, but jokes. Have a sense of humor. It's not all so serious and sullen. And, you know, I told the first service, I said, you know, when I'm going to meet my staff at the restaurant, sometimes I get there later than them. Here's what I do. When I get there and it's full and it's lunchtime, I don't look for them as much as I listen for them. Because wherever you hear laughter coming from the table, like they're drinking a bunch of margaritas and they're not, that's my staff. And they're smiling, they're laughing, they're having a good time. They're happy folks. And that's the way I find them. And so you go up to them and say, why are you so happy? Well, the Lord came into my heart. I once was lost, now I'm found, was blind. But now I see I've got so many things to thank God for. And it's just put joy in my heart. Joy of the Lord. So say with me, Bible endurance is cheerful. But it's cheerful for a reason. Here's the reason. It's fixed focus. It's fixed focus. Listen to what it says of Jesus. Who for the joy set before him. Jesus had something in, before him, in front of him, down the road that he looked forward to, that he couldn't wait to arrive at. He had a joy set before him by God, set before him. Who for the joy that was set before him, he was looking forward to something. That's what hope is. Hope is when you wake up and you say, man, I'm excited about what might happen today because I know who's got my life in his hands. Therefore, I'm excited about what's going to happen with my life. I have hope. Hope is when you wake up looking forward to tomorrow. Hope is when you wake up and you say, good morning, Lord. Not good Lord, it's morning. Now watch this who for the joy set before him endured. Do you see how it connects them? The joy set before him, he endured. Who for the joy set before what he was looking forward to empowered him to endure, to endure the cross. Now, what was the joy that was set before Jesus? What was he so looking forward to? The joy that was set before Jesus is in this room. Think with me a minute. The joy that was set before Jesus is in this room. The joy that was set before Jesus 
is where he is right now, at the right hand of the Father. The joy that was set before Jesus was redeeming millions and millions and millions of people from the clutches of the devil, from a fiery hell, into a glorious heaven. The joy set before him was his resurrection from the dead, his exaltation by God the Father, and his ultimate destination, that being heaven right next, seated right next to God the Father. The Bible says in verse 2 of Hebrews 12, the same verse, says... He is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God, and that was the joy set before him. He was looking forward to it. And because he saw what was going to happen beyond the cross, he endured the cross. Peter wrote of Jesus, He has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. And he knew that's what would happen if he died on the cross for you and for me. So there is going to be a day when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess Jesus Christ is Lord. Every angel in heaven, every man, woman, and child on earth, every demon spirit and Satan himself in a devil's hell is going to have to say he is Lord. And Jesus saw that coming. He saw that coming. Jesus saw that coming. And he said, oh man, I see what is coming beyond this cross. And you know what he did? He kept his focus on what was coming, not what was. He said, I'm not going to focus on these nails. I'm not going to focus on these unfaithful people. I'm not going to focus on my sleeping disciples. I'm not going to focus on the devil, the demons, the trials, the difficulties. I'm not going to focus on the garden. I'm not going to focus on any of these things. I am focused. My joy. There is a joy set before me. And that's my premium, premier, supreme, exclusive focus. I am focused on the joy set before me. Now, let me talk to you about your focus for a minute. Focus is everything. Most people in here maybe never stopped and thought about how important focus is, but focus will make you or break you, whatever your focus is. We've all got to focus. Something dominates everybody's day. Some focus dominates everybody's day. Some are focused on money. Some are focused on people. But your focus, you will become what you are focused on. The Bible says, while we look not at the things that are seen, but the things that are not seen. For the things that are seen are temporary, but the things that are not seen are eternal. So we have our eyes peeled on Jesus, and as we are focused on the things that are not seen, we are transformed into His image by from faith to faith and glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Your focus will decide what you become. It will determine if you're happy or sad, your focus. If you're upbeat or down, if you're victorious or you're defeated. If you're conquered or you're the conqueror, your focus will decide that each and every day. That's why every day I start my day with the Bible because I want to set my focus for that day. Thank God for what Jesus did for you and for me. Well, it's been great being with you today. Join me next time for part two of Run With Endurance. Until then, God bless. Have a great day. Hi, this is Pastor Jeff. You know, every time God uses the ministry of Life Talk to transform a life by the power of Jesus Christ, it's because somebody like you gave financially and helped make it possible. 
Life Talk's daily program is listener supported. So if you're interested in supporting this ministry, call toll free 877-884-3111. That's 877-884-3111. Or visit us online at lifetalkradio.us and make a donation to empower Life Talk to continue transforming lives with the power of the gospel. Call 877-884-3111 or go online to lifetalkradio.us and give your best gift today. Run with Endurance is the second message of Pastor Jeff's series, The Race. You can own a copy of this six-CD set for just $30 plus shipping. Log on to lifetalkradio.us or call us toll-free at 877-884-3111. Get your copy of today's message for just $5 or purchase the entire series, The Race, for only $30 plus shipping by logging on to lifetalkradio.us or calling us toll-free at 877-884-3111 for more information. You've been listening to Life Talk with Dr. Jeff Wickwire. To find out more about Dr. Wickwire's ministry and Turning Point Church, visit us at lifetalkradio.us or call us toll-free at 877-884-3111. That's 877-884-3111. And as a reminder, Life Talk is a listener-supported ministry. We exist to bring God's Word to thousands of people in your area on this great station. So your prayers and financial support go a long way in helping us with this endeavor. Please prayerfully consider helping us. Thanks again for listening today, and we look forward to meeting with you once again on our next Life Talk broadcast.